recording in progress. All right, you ready? Yeah. All right, three, two, one. Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Steven. And Kyle. And Kyle is coming back with some of the awesome stories from the book he picked up. We titled it Bodies. This will be Bodies Part 2. So I am super stoked to get into this because the last one was just fucking out of this world. It doesn't stop either. Good, good. I'm stoked. Um, We're doing this episode today through Zoom. We're just experimenting a little bit. So it's pretty cool. If it sounds any different, that's because we're still experimenting. So before we get into the bodies, got to get through the business. Check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, Discord. Come and hang out with us. Search up the Hollow Sky Podcast. You'll find us. And just come and be part of the community. The, I, the TikTok is taking off like crazy. I posted something on the old Guidestones coming down, and apparently that's what TikTok wanted to hear about because we've doubled doubled our followers on there in the last two days. It. It's just freaking ridiculous. I love it. What if you not? A paranormal encounter you'd like to have featured on a future show. Kyle's got all the deets. You can give our phone a call, and the phone number is going to be 1618-556-0837. Or you can write your story out. You can also record it on a, with a voice memo app. And then put it in an email. Shoot it over to the the email, which is going to be holoskypodcast at gmail.com. Sorry, there was a little bit of feedback there. I could hear myself talking. So it kind of <laughs> threw me off a little bit. It definitely confuses me when it does it too. Sometimes it gets choppy. <laughs> but if you'd like to support the show, there's awesome ways you can do it. The best way is to spread the show word of mouth. Share us on all your socials. Share your favorite episode. Share our name to whoever listens to podcasts and just keep getting our name out there. It's the the best thing you could do. You guys help out so much just by just by throwing us in the hat. So keep up the good work. Please, we also have a Patreon. Please. If you'd like to support us that way, you can hop on over there and uh, search up a tier, see which one you like, and subscribe to that. We have a Venmo. You can throw some monster money in any change you have. Just toss it in there. Keep our monsters flowing and whatnot. And what else? Oh, yeah. Wherever you listen to uh, podcasts, hop on over there and leave us a five-star rating and review. And we'll be forever indebted to you. And I'll shout you out on a future show. Today's five-star rating and review comes to us from Great Britain. The person who left the review is Flick Harris. They say wicked podcast, five stars. Awesome podcast here on recommendation from Lil and Fitz from Knock Once for Yes podcast. Gave this a listen and it's fabulous. Start starting to binge the back catalog and I'm hooked. You guys are hilarious. On the severed feet episode, I quote, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I love this. Five stars. <laughs> That's old school there. The That's episode, episode two. Like, yeah, I was going to say it was in the first five, but Flick, we're glad to have you here. Appreciate and thanks you. for all the kind Appreciate words. And uh, big shout out to Lil and Fr- Fitz from uh, 
knock once for yes guys go over there and check out their pod keep the creepy going we appreciate the shout out we have our listener encounter of the day it comes to us from our friend sarah we had mentioned this on a previous episode she had written in and talked about meeting this michael entity that was tied to the bledsoe encounter so she hit us back and i'm going to share this with all of you and hopefully we can start putting some more puzzle pieces in with all this bledsoe weirdness because that that like egress is always kind of staying warm on the burner here at the hollow sky podcast because that got kind of weird when we were all looking into it it did get weird there's a lot of weird things that started happening around the house and then happening to you and my wife and me there there was a lot of strangeness that came from that and I i really don't know why that happened other than maybe we were talking shit i guess aside from that i don't really understand why those things would have happened yeah, like like we were pushing the wrong buttons. Yeah. Well, let's see what she has to say, what Sarah has to say about uh, this Michael entity. She goes, hey, guys, Eek, I'm glad, to get, I'm glad you got a hold of me. Okay, so I typed out my story below. I hope you read it. I hope you read it on a show and would love any input and thoughts that you have. You guys rock. Much love, Sarah. <clears throat> she says, dear Hollow Sky Podcast, here's my story. Back in the summer of 2012, I was engaged to be married to my second husband. I was from California, living in Iowa City, and was in a very uh, tumultuous, my bad, tumultuous period of my life. One evening, I fell asleep on the couch. My fiance woke me up and told me it was time for bed. I went up to our bedroom, and I very distinctly remember paint on the walls. Every, every shadow, every shade of color as I drifted to sleep. Then I was in my dreams. I didn't know it yet, but I was in a kitchen and I was draining purple pasta. It was overcooked. And my friend told me that it was okay that I'd learn in a blink. I'm shopping and I see an old friend. He begins to cry and I hug him. I ask why. And he says, I will know soon. Then I'm in a grocery store parking lot and I see a man. This is where it gets weird. He's standing on a pile of snow. He's in a gray suit and he extends his hand to greet me. I tell him I don't want to shake his hand. I have a cold and I don't want him to get sick. He laughs at me and tells me to walk with him. Then what I can only describe is a download of information is given to me. No words. It's almost telepathic. He shows me all the love of the universe. I feel an overwhelming sense of peace. Then he and I walk. He says his name is Michael, or as I know him on earth, he is God. He then shows me three scenarios. One, a tick bite. One, a fall down of stairs. And one of a cold. He told me not to be afraid of the cold. Well, in 2015, I got bit by a tick and I got Lyme disease. In 2018, my dad had a bad fall down some stairs. And in 2022, 10 years, almost to the day that I met Michael, I got COVID or a bad cold. I've always wondered about the kitchen cooking dinner. And I'm listening to the podcast Bledsoe Said So. And in episode nine, Chris Bledsoe's regression episode, 37 minutes in, he says, this being approached my father in 2019 and said his name was Michael. Holy fuck. I threw my earbuds out and started to cry. Someone else had met Michael. My husband has heard me talk about Michael for 10 years, and I played that for him. Thank goodness I'm not a lunatic. Someone else has met Michael. I have no way to explain this. I have only told my parents and husband about this because it feels crazy. But I know I had an experience with a being. So now I'm left with this question. Who is Michael and why me? Thank you guys for reading. I'd love to chat if you ever want to call and set something up. 
Love the show. Keep it weird, guys. Much love, Sarah. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing this. It it almost like it adds another layer to how I feel about that whole encounter because I'm still in the camp that what Bledsoe experienced was not a positive encounter. But if this is tied to yours, yours seems like a completely positive encounter, almost like he was giving you some reassurance that bad things are going to come down the pipe, but you don't have to worry about them. So I don't know, man. It's weird. I'm thinking it's, it's weird. Like a off topic here, but funny. Nevertheless, what was up with the purple pasta in your dream there? Yeah, that was fucking bizarre. But moving forward, uh, it your encounter relatively lines up with some abduction stories about how they they show you the universe and they show you this, that, and the other. Like that's that is some abduction cases one on one there. And then he shows you the future of you in this in this manner of like a chronological order, like the tick bite and the stairs and then the cold. And like Steve, you said that it it was this positive experience, but the thing that we've kind of started to put together with some of these, like, I guess you could call them enlightened beings, the, the ones that have just this mass wealth of knowledge. I don't know that they give a fuck about good intent. Like you, like we talked about the good intention, like, like they're not going to look at what they're telling you as positive nor negative because they don't have the, the time for emotion. So they're not registering uh, like the indifferent. They're not, you know what I'm saying? Like they're not, they're just telling you. Like they're, they're like, here it is. This is where you're going to be in 10 years. I don't give a shit if you walk away from this happy or sad. To me, the one, to me, Michael, I'm not relaying good news nor bad news. I'm relaying facts. This is what's going to happen to you, regardless of how you feel about it or I feel about it. And I think that's something... I think that's something that we need to consider when we do hear of these cases. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times people go down that path of, no, it was, it was a solely positive encounter. No, yeah. it's clearly a negative encounter. But there seems to be with some, not all of them, but some of these entities, they don't, they don't give a shit either way. They don't care. They're just telling you how it is. Yeah, this this one in particular is weird to me because like all of the incidences that he points out are essentially negative. The tick yeah. bite pretty much your life from contracting Lyme's disease. Uh, her dad falling down the stairs, I'm sure, was super traumatic. Yeah, and also 
con- contracting COVID at almost the 10 year mark to the day. That is, I don't know, man, this shit is so weird. It is super so weird. weird. Whenever my brain starts rolling back to the whole blood. So encounter and experience. I just, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. I don't get good, good vibes from it. I get a bad feeling in my gut that whatever, whatever is messing with him, its intentions are not what they think it is. Yeah, I I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Wholeheartedly agree. Um, again, thank you for sharing this. And yeah, we, it sounds like this could be a pretty, pretty interesting conversation to have. So we might get a hold of you again and see if you want to come on and talk about it. Yeah. Um, for anyone else that has had an experience with this, this entity or an entity that refers to themselves as Michael, hit us up, hit us up on a social, shoot us an email, send us a message. I'm curious to see how many other times this being has showed up, showed itself to people. Yeah, that would be an interesting log to start doing to, yeah. to log Michael's whereabouts. Yeah, I almost want to go back again and go through the blood showcase to see if I can't like stack things that are similar between the Michaels. Yeah, that yeah, that would be a good idea. Very interesting. I believe in the blood showcase, the Michael entity appeared over a pond that's so and he kind of like the way if i remember he kind of like phased in like it was a ball of light and then it started shaking and it started to take the form of a of a person and in this one he was standing on top of a pile of snow yeah which is also water so weird it is weird fuck i don't know i don't know Thanks for keeping our brains turning, Sarah. <laughs> I just don't fucking know. But for real, we will we'll we'll probably be getting at you again, either email or some such, and we'll we'll set up something to try to uh, get you on the show and talk about it because it's it's interesting. And again, if anybody else has had any kind of encounters with uh, this Michael entity, hit us up. We want to get as much information gathered as possible. Yeah, please. That being, that being said. Kyle's about to take us on his favorite drowning pool song, Bodies. Yes. That is a classic. It is a classic. Okay, so I want to reiterate again, uh, the author of these books, Tom Lyons. You know, this particular book is called Bodies in the Woods. Uh, He's got a ton of different forms here, and they all seem to be on the same path like they're all uh submissions you know they're real stories from people but he's got like bigfoot terror or no maybe that's that one's not him but he has ufo frightening encounters stay out of the woods um surviving bigfoot all types of different ones he actually has an instagram too and i believe it's living amongst bigfoot that's his instagram handle if i remember correctly Look at him, look at him. Look. Yep, no, it's living among Bigfoot. So that is his Instagram handle. And he's got all of his books and stuff on there. So just a huge shout out to him because I do really enjoy the books and I want him to get credit for all this. And 
people should buy his books if you're interested in it, you know, because this is this is all from one book. And just to clarify, I do change a lot of the wording and, and the whole way it was written more so just for me, but I'm not a professional writer, you know, so these things, some of these stories are more detailed in certain aspects. They set the mood a little bit more than what I do. So keep that in mind, you know, you, you'll go read this and you'll be able to read it and kind of envision yourself there probably better than what I'm doing. So with that being also, said, go ahead. I'm jump in here and say, if you haven't listened to the first, the first episode, bodies one just titled bodies go back and listen to it before we hit this one yeah that way you're kind of kind of looped in because i'm sure we're going to be referencing the first episode while we talk about this one because the stories in the first one were just dude the the last one the last one in this list is fucking bizarre it's another one that is just good crazy it's crazy so i'm going to start this off with uh in the summer of 2004 a woman named Holly was camping with her boyfriend, Brian. They had spent the previous summer camping all over the Pacific Northwest. Both of them happened to be teachers. So their schedules kind of lined up, you know, they were able to take the entire summer and travel and kind of enjoy life a little bit during their, their 2004 trip. Their first location was a mountain camp just outside Tacoma. Neither of them had, been to this location before also because at the time schools had just gotten out they quickly decided that most of the more popular sites would be just overwhelmed with people so they decided to go to a location that was a little bit harder to get to holly says the camp was was actually really difficult to get to but once they got there it was you know, it was obvious. It was, it was more than worth the long, ridiculous hike to get there. Roughly an hour after they arrived, there was a, a random woman that started approaching the camp. And right away, you, you could tell something was wrong with her. You know, she just had that look on her face like, like she was just distressed and So she ends up approaching Brian and Holly and asked if they had seen a man roughly her age. She had been looking for him for the past hour or so. They told her they hadn't seen anyone, that they had just arrived. So the woman said, all right, well, if you happen to see him, let me know, please. I'm just I'm just down the way and let him know that I'm looking for him. The woman continues to loosely describe what happened. She's like, I had stopped to relieve myself. And when I got him back, he was gone. It's not like him either to just up and vanish like that. None of this makes any sense at all. So it's it's her husband that's actually missing. Once again, the couple reassured the woman if they seen anyone, they would be sure to let her know. The woman pointed in the direction of her camp and said, as far as she can tell, Brian and Holly were the only other two people up there. So this woman had been walking around looking for him. And Brian and Holly were the only two other people that she had ran into the entire time. Holly asked Brian, you know, what do you think happened? And he, typical dude, he he starts to play it down. Brian thinks it was probably just some type of miscommunication. 
and he went for a walk or something, which logically makes zero fucking sense to me. You know, she goes over to pee and he's just like, I'm just going to go for a walk. <laughs> I'm just going to take a stroll. Maybe I'll go take a piss too. Right. And just disappear. Yeah. So most of the time you tend to let your mind go down the easiest path instead of instantly thinking there is some type of serial killer in the woods or, or a vicious animal attacking, you know, so they just downplay it, continue on. The rest of the day, the couple laid around in the sun, playing cards, cooking over the campfire, just relaxing and enjoying it. They never ended up seeing the woman again. So at this point, everything was more or less normal and peaceful. When nighttime rolled around, things got a little bit more sketchy. Holly says the only way she could describe the off-putting feeling she was having was that she felt as though they were not supposed to be there. Holly wasn't able to fall asleep due to these feelings. My guy, Brian, he's out of the light. He hits the, he hits the, the sleeping bag and he's gone. He's Go sawing logs. Yeah, sawing logs. So she's over here just dealing with it, just dealing with this, this feeling, and she doesn't like it. She can't go to sleep. Then she starts to get confused. It sounds like someone is walking around outside the tent. But at the same time, she's not sure if it's the wind or what. So her mind, yeah, her mind starts cutting loose as to what it could be, just, just going hard. At this point, Holly decides to wake Brian up. She nudges him, and he instantly sits up, almost startled by her nudging him. Then all of a sudden, before he could even say anything, the whole area, north, south, east, west, above, it's all giant bright light. Boom. Somebody just turned the lights on. Nope, 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 nope. Just go back together. To yeah, together, they both end up crawling over to the window of the tent to take a look as to what's going on outside. Holly says it no longer looked as though they were out in nature. It appeared as though they were in an empty white room. Holly makes a pretty awesome description here. She says the light wasn't blinding like if you were to stare at the, stu- at the sun. So she doesn't understand how it was able to snuff out the details of the, the surrounding environment, making it appear as though they weren't in the wilderness anymore. So she, she, to her, it legitimately looks like they're in a, just a bare white room. She can't see trees anymore. She can't see anything. It's all gone. So here they, they, they are. They're just staring out this little tent window trying to make sense of of what's going on when all of a sudden a face appears right in front of the window and starts to scream help me as you can imagine both of them fall back into the tent and brian reaches for his knife and pulls his knife and aimed it at the man staring into the tent holly almost immediately knew this was the man from before, you know, the wife was looking for him. She's like, I could just, I just had that gut feeling. This was the dude. His clothes were filthy. His hair was greasy. 
Holly said he looked like he had been running for his life for days on end. This guy just stared into the tent with a look of pure desperation on his face. His arm dangled beside him in a way that made it appear like he didn't have much control over it. Moments later, his eyes rolled into the back of his head and he fell forward onto the tent. Before the couple could do anything, something started to drag his lifeless body into the air. Holly said it was done with such force that it looked like something huge standing behind him had just grabbed him and yanked him up into the air. As the body was pulled off the tent, the wall started to spring back up. And Brian, with his huge set of nuts at this point, he crawls back over to the tent window to see what had pulled him up and away off the tent. Brian said he got a glimpse of what happened before the body disappeared. He said it looked like as though the man got absorbed by the white light. And as soon as he was gone, so wasn't the white light. Holly says it felt like they traveled from one dimension to another in an instant because after, after the white light disappeared along with dude, they could start hearing the insects again. So nature reappears. They start hearing all the, the normal night noises out in the middle of the woods. They laid there the rest of the night going in and out of sleep. The next day they got up and nothing looked out of place at all. They packed up and left immediately. Got the fuck out of there. And I cannot blame them. No. That is like, that is a missing 411, like almost to a T. That's that's, right there. That whole thing is subtle terror. Oh, yeah. Everything about it is subtle, aside from the guy appearing in the tent. But it's all so fucking disturbing. It just it just builds tension. Yeah, it's disturbing as hell. You read if you if you dive into the missing 411 cases and you get to reading them, you hear whatever the maliciousness is that is taking people. You often hear of them referred to as a predator, but they all, they're also accounts where they, where they're trying to describe as best they can as to what happened to these people. They said, it's almost like a giant claw machine would just reach in, pick a person up and then they would either never be seen again or whenever they're done doing whatever they're doing to them, they would set them back down in the areas where they had already been searched which when you hear it described from what those two saw it's almost the exact same thing where something was was like pulling him off the tent and then he just disappeared into the light which it also sounds like a ufo abduction yeah you have the the bright lights is like classic ufo shit when it lights up the tent and everything the animals going silent in the woods, that's missing 411 right off the rip. And I, dude, I don't know. Did they ever find it ever touch that they found any of that dude's remains or anything? No. No. I didn't think so. No. So no. fucking weird. I hate the woods. Same. Same. Absolutely same. I, I ain't trying to be 
fodder for a giant claw machine no. or aliens. No. Or whatever the fuck's out there. So, yeah, we... That story is fucking bananas. It's it's crazy. Uh, I thought I had more stories than what I actually do. I don't have two stories, but I do remember part of the last, the very last story of the book. And it, it's kind of a, it's a kind of a weird one because it doesn't necessarily fit the other, like the genre of the book. But from what I can recall, they, this family moved into a house and the kid telling the story, he, I think he said there was, in in total, there were five floors in the house. And they had just had, <clears throat> yeah, it was a huge house. They had just had, the mom and dad had just had a new kid. So they, the mom and dad and kid, new kids slept on a separate floor from the son. And the son, he was on the fourth floor. And then what he would consider the fifth floor was the attic. And he said constantly... Every night he would hear somebody walking around in the attic, things scratching up there, all types of stuff. So he'd get his dad and he made his dad go up there, start checking it out. They'd gone up in the daytime a couple of times, nothing, obviously nothing there. They go up there one night and they're looking around, nothing. So the son and the dad turn to walk away. And all of a sudden, they hear footsteps rush up behind them, like somebody's charged them. The dad instantly turns around, shines the light. There's nothing there. The son can clearly tell that dad is pretty scared at this point. You know, he's just like, what the fuck was that? Because it clearly sounded like somebody was ran up behind me. But he, he does what we all do. He's just like, Maybe it was the wind outside smashing up against the house, making the floorboards creak, whatever, you know. But the son's like, you could tell my dad was not vibing this at all. So one night, you know, after this, it kind of seemed to ramp up. And the the kid's laying in bed and he can hear like something. He's like, it sounds like something's trying to claw through the floorboards. It's so aggressive. Well, his dad was actually still at work. He was working late that night. So he goes down and gets his mom. And he's like, mom, you have to hear this. You have to come up here and look at this. So the mom and him go into the attic. They get into the attic. And when she shines the light, there is a body laying face down on the floor. Of It's of a young girl with red hair and they of course they freak the fuck out they turn and they run and then they call the cops tons of cops show up the cops go in the attic and they don't find anything nothing at all and he said that the noises kept kept on happening until they finally i guess i'm, I'm assuming after this encounter the the husband and wife like we're we're done we're out of here so they ended up moving. And thankfully, all of it stayed with that house. Like it did not travel 
with the kid or, you know, I wasn't attached to the family by any means. I wonder if there was a traumatic incident that happened in that house. Like <laughs> almost, almost guarantee it. Murdered in that house. Yeah. That's gives me goosebumps, man. Like go ghost stories are hit and miss with me because I don't know, maybe they're just, I don't know. Some of them I hear and I'm just like, man, you know, that's weird. But other ones I hear, I'm like, holy shit. Like, that's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that one would ghosts that, and aliens though. That one would be terrifying in its own and on, on a double standard there, because not only are you hearing things, you're experiencing things, but then all of a sudden seemingly randomly, especially from the mother's shoes, you, you see a body of a child laying on the floor in your attic. And you can clearly tell that this child is dead. And then you go back after calling in the, the reinforcements and there's absolutely nothing there. No sign of there's not like a drop of blood. There, there's literally nothing there. So now, now you're going to start questioning your own sanity. Hey, Hollow Cult, the weather's getting nice. And you know what that means? It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tecovis Boots. When you're out hunting the dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tecovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids. And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have... Crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, regular leather boots. They they have it all. And it's it's ridiculously awesome. You can even stop by their the local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. So just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin Hollow Sky branded boots. How awesome would that be? Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. That's exactly, I was going to use that exact phrase. Yeah, you have to, you, yeah, you don't know what, you don't know what's going on. No, no. It'd be horrible. That is, that is so, that is so weird. I just, no, I don't know. I just, I'd want to know the history of the house. See if there was yeah. something that went on there. As the mom, then you're starting to question everything. Like, you know, you immediately think, did somebody I know do this? Did they, did somebody get rid of the body while we were out of here? And Is the body hidden in the attic somewhere? Are the, the bones there? Moving. Moving yeah, I would be, I would be gone. I would move out too. So, yeah. 
Good call on that one, family. Yeah. The we'll last the exorcist movers. <laughs> they ain't no shit. The last story that I have here is a doozy. I really enjoy this one a lot. It's probably one of the better stories in here, in my opinion. It's another like it starts out subtle, but then it gets real, real fucking fast. So <clears throat> this one, this one takes place in Chateau, Oklahoma. And it's it the time frame was back in the 60s. So you got the main the main kid here, his name's Bill. And when he was younger, you know, he him and his buddies, they were typical boys, right? They would all hop on their bikes and they would just go the fuck everywhere. They rode all over the place. And they would typically try to go out and find new like patches of woods to play in, new places to swim, streams, shit boys do. They just go out and explore, right? Well, one day, Bill and his buddies, Christopher and Wally, head off towards an area of woods none of them had been before. And I actually love Bill's description here because it, it really resonates with me personally. He's like, the the boys that were with me, Chris and Wally, couldn't have asked for for better guys to have my back. If if you seen the Goonies, our friendship was basically like that. Like these are my ride and die homies, and I'm like, oh, that's what's up, dude. That's what's up. I like that. Anyways, the boys made it to this new area, and they found what Bill describes as one of the best swimming holes they've ever found the water it, it was easily the clearest pond they've ever found none of them were prepared to go swimming that day they didn't anticipate it but as typical boys you know they didn't stop them they basically just took their shirts off and they they all just started racing each other toward the water they were so excited bill's like the water looks so fucking inviting and I, I, what was it? Oh yeah. Wally ended up getting to the, the pot, the pond first dives in Bill even notes, like we were so excited about the water and how clear it was, how awesome this location was. None of us even thought to, to check the water for any, like maybe there's a possible animal lurking, whatever. We were just too excited. So, like I said, Wally jumps in and he pops up and he's like, guys, you're not going to believe what is on the bottom of this, this watering hole. And the boys are like, what, you know, like what? And he's like, you have to come see this. And Bill's like, you know, the water, the watering hole was only about six to seven feet deep throughout, like at its deepest point. So for the average person, it's not very hard to see, you know, once you're underwater, it's not hard to see that far. You're going to see what's on the floor of this pond. The first thing they ended up noticing, though, was a human skull sitting at the bottom of the pond. So they're like, okay, this is fucking weird. 
then they start to notice notice a bunch of crevices everywhere. So they weren't out there. They can't see into these crevices. Christopher, the other one, he he ends up swimming around a little bit and he ends up finding a rib cage with an arm attached to it. But the boys were together. It kind of, I assume it, it eased the, the oddness and tension between monks, you know, amongst them. They weren't as oh, yeah. scared. Kids do dumb shit when they're together. Yeah. That's what yeah. It boils down. yeah and they curiosity is way is on a different level when you're with your buddies, like shit you wouldn't do by yourself. You're going to do when you're with your friends. hundred percent. hundred percent. Especially when you're an adolescent boy. Yeah. Because none of you, none of you want to be the bitch. You know, none of you want to get scared and be, yeah. be the one to back out in, in low key. In some situations you're waiting, for, you're, you're hoping one of your friends is like, guys, this is dumb. We're not doing this. So you yeah. can go, yeah, you're, you know what? You're right. You're right. Let's just pack up and go. Oh, you found a skull down there. Yeah. Well, who's going to dive down next? Hopefully nobody, but somebody does. And then they find a rib cage and yeah. an arm. Exactly. Well, the boys, they start seeing more and more and more bones scattered at the bottom of this pond. Once they reach the surface at this point, after they've verified Chris's rib cage and arm and then start noticing all these other skeleton pieces all over the bottom, they all come back to the surface and they're like, okay, I think it's time go and get out of here this is we should not be here whatever the fuck's going on here we shouldn't we should not be witness to this so they start to head back toward land where they had laid their bikes over and as you know uh bill and wally are in the front and they're they're swimming away and um, yeah, Chris Christopher mumbled something, and they don't know what he said. They're like, "What?" So Bill basically had reached shore. Then you have Wally kind of in the middle, and then you have Chris who basically stopped dead in his tracks. So they both turn around to look at Chris because they noticed when he, whatever he said, he had uh, fear in his voice. So they turn around and they start to follow Christopher's gaze to the other side of the watering hole. They saw a man standing there with horns like a ram. Its legs were more like a goat's. And the more Bill started, stared at it, the more inhuman it became. But one thing was for sure, it was pure evil, and Bill felt it was 100% responsible for the bones at the bottom of the pond. Bill, at this point, like, he is yelling at Christopher and Wally, like, dudes, come on. We got to get the fuck out of here. He's like, it was almost like they were in some type of trance. Finally, they all end up making it to uh, to shore. The entire time, Chris and Wally are swimming toward the shore. 
that that being was statue still didn't move a muscle until they got on their bikes and started to pedal away then all of a sudden that thing took off like it just did a bump of coke they said the way this thing was moving around the pond toward them was not only terrifyingly fast but the way bill describes it the movements itself were horrifying because he describes it it was moving in a primitive way that was just it was just disgusting so at this point as you can imagine the boys dude they just pedal hard as fuck they and they they're they don't even look back they're like fuck this thing like we are dead set on on where we need to be and that's where we're going they end up getting back to their house house is safe and sound they tell their parents parents call the police please go out there but nobody ends up following up with bill again and this story ends with a rather eerie quote from bill he's like i'll forever wonder what that creature was it wasn't human at least not entirely and i'm like fuck that fuck that thing i love it i love it i actually do i actually do have one more story i just found it i i'm glad that i do did it say where that was from did i miss that I don't think it did. Oh, yeah, it was Chateau, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. All right, because I was looking. I'm looking through Goatman encounters here, and we got the two the two big main ones, which is the Popelick monster, which is in Kentucky, and it right. has the the ram horns and shit, and then the Lake Worth monster, the Texas Goatman. And um, so Oklahoma's kind of Texasy. It's yeah. Kind of, yeah. Close. Yeah. Close. For sure. That's the first thing that pops in my head when you start describing it. I'm like, that's a fucking goat, man. But regionally, I mean, it's not, it's in a, a a decent pattern. It's not like you have Texas and Alaska, right? You got no, Texas and Kentucky. Like regionally, it's 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 there. Like you know what I mean? Let's, let's do a little googling here. Lake Worth, Texas to chateau i spell chateau it's a weird one i'm not good at spelling so let me go back here c-h-o-u t-e-a-u got it uh four hour drive it's a pretty good skew it's not bad though doesn't, doesn't mean there's not a whole family of these things right the population wandering around that's kind of what i'm getting at Especially and, uh, if you know the one is in Kentucky and the other one's in Texas. Yeah, that's like not, it's not out of the realm of possibility there. Not too far. Um, there's also one reported to be in Prince George County, Maryland. So there might be. It could be almost like a like a Bigfoot kind of thing where there's yeah. multiple different, even species, so to speak, right. of these things. That's terrifying. I wonder how it many is. bodies it accounted for down there. I don't like know, dude. Pieces of one body. Yeah. But if there's a lot of pieces, that's eventually going to end up in more than one body. Yep. 
Yeah, and it was weird, like how he described it. The boys were in a trance. The water itself was super inviting. Like it was the clearest water that they've ever seen. Like it was so enticing, they couldn't say no to the location. It's a fucking trap. Yeah, it's too good to be true, my guy. Fucking trap. Uh, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine seeing that thing. Because in my head, I didn't even think of Goatman. My my initial thought process was Baphomet. Oh yeah, the devil. Yeah, yeah Some, or they, something yeah. Like this. Right. Yeah. I thought that too. My mind went immediately to like it went from that cryptids, and I'm like, all right. So it, with it being with it feeling pure evil, but I I think a lot of people experience that too when they see like the Goatman type entity because it's got a pretty shitty reputation. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, especially if it had like this aggressive demeanor to it, I mean, that's going to be fuck. You see a goddamn dog man and you're going to be like, yeah, that thing's pure evil. Fuck that thing. It just has an, an intimidating stature to it, you know? But I don't like the way he described it as like running primitively like in this primitive matter that was just so like, what in the fuck does that even mean? I don't know. Like I envisioned like this. For me, I envisioned like this this ape type of run, like just the awkward, lanky, yet aggressive way of moving. It's just very bizarre. That's how. That's what I picture in my head. Because he doesn't. He doesn't go on like it. It would be fucking ridiculous if this thing had like man arms. Because he doesn't say what the arms are. He just. It just describes the head and the and the legs. So weird. Could have Dude, been a sheep squad. I hope so. I hope so. That's one that gets overlooked all the time. Good old sheep squatch. <laughs> it sounds the less intim- or least intimidating of the bunch. <laughs> Little Bo Peep squatch. Yeah. <laughs> You're all weak. But yeah, no. I would definitely. And the worst part is, is that they're just young boys, so yeah. everybody's just kind of write it off as them being out in the woods and spooking themselves. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. Creepy. Like they would have, they would have been better off only telling the authorities about the pond with bodies in it. Oh yeah. If oh, they yeah. would have said that, the authorities hundred percent would go out there and do a full investigation. But they throw in this goat man and they're like, yeah, these boys are dumb. <laughs> they're they're liquor. Yeah, they're dumb. So, like I said, I do have one more story. And yeah. I remember writing it. I just I must have skimmed over it. But anyways, uh, this will officially be the last one in early 2003. Another camping story. Melissa went camping with her friend, Katie, and her boyfriend, Luke. And she was unaware when she agreed to go on this camping trip, but Luke was also going to bring his friend, Adam. They ended up going to a place called Raystown Lake. So, you know, Melissa was single, and ironically enough, so was an Adam. So there may have been a little bit of intention going on there 
you know, a little bit of like, let's try to match these two so, up. There's well, one thing I hate worse than blind dates. It's camping blind dates. <laughs> that, that sounds, sounds like terrible. The worst fucking things in the world. Yeah. Smashed together. Right. To me. But, but in this case, it seemed to pan out because both Melissa and Adam were obviously vibing each other. Nevertheless, though, the first night, Melissa decides to play hard to get and have a little bit of self-morals. So she slept alone that night. However, she quickly wished that she had invited him into her tent because it was, you know, A, it was late fall and the nights were getting increasingly cold. She always knows, and then she she notes a these weird squawks coming from the sky above her during the night, which kind of creeps her out, you know. Pterodactyl. Then that's what she describes it as. She's like, it sounds like one of those flying dinosaurs. That's what it what it reminded her of. I hope this is a pterodactyl story, please. So the next morning, Melissa Melissa brings up the weird noises over breakfast to her surprise no one else had heard them and they kind of start to poke fun of her a little bit about it so you know she gets a little butt hurt but gets over it and then they end up they're like all right let's go let's go sit down by the lake and talk and just kind of hang out and take the scenery in while they were down there hanging out they notice a man fishing. You know, he, he he passed by in his little John boat, waves at him, smiles. And Melissa's like, you could tell that this dude was straight up fucking stoked to be there. Like, this is his paradise. That man looked insanely happy. Shortly after this, they decided to go for a walk around the lake and just kind of further take in the scenery. So they take off and... They ended up stopping about 30 minutes in to take a water break. And I'm reading that and I'm like, man, you guys had to go like 30 minutes in and you're already water breaking her up in the the middle of fall. Like (laughs) you obviously don't get out too much, but I get better than that. But it was part of the plan, you see. While they're they're hanging out, Adam notices quote unquote, a path that veers away from the lake up a hill. And Adam's like, hey, you guys want to walk up this path and hang out? And of course, the other two from the story, I've already forgotten their names, Katie and her boyfriend, Luke, were like, no, no, we're good. Why don't you guys go? Why don't you guys go? So, you know, Melissa and Adam end up going up the hill. Katie and Luke continue on around the lake. They reach the top of the hill. And, of of course, the story goes here. They start making out. Classic. As they're, it's like, it has a setting of of, uh, Camp Crystal Lake. This is what I vibe right now. But all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, they notice a large shadow kind of fly over top of them 
as they're making out. So they don't they don't see it, but they 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 see it from periphery. And Melissa said it felt like a low flying plane had passed over top of them, but they didn't hear anything. Regardless, these two hot to trot, buddy. Melissa asked if they should head back. Adam's like, no, like check this out. He pulls out a picnic basket, busted out some whiskey. And I mean, from this point, we can all admire where the story goes. So afterwards, after a little bit of his pocket and he's like, look what I got here. Fucking picnic (laughs) basket. Check it out. So afterwards, they're laying next to each other, relaxing, taking in the day. But they, they all of a sudden they hear this scream, shatters the world, and then the scream happened a few more times. Then it falls oddly silent. Both of them are confused. They start kind of pondering on what it could be, what's going on. The first thing they think of are their friends, Katie and Luke. So they're like, we need to get back down to them and make sure they're okay. They go back down there. And their their friends are good. They decided to more or less shake off the screams as someone being frustrated at something. So take that for what it's worth, because that sounds like a piss-ass conclusion there. Somebody being very angry in the forest. Yeah. So they get back to camp. Like these stories have all these red flags, and yeah. everybody's just like, ah. "Yeah, it's not, it's yeah. not what you think it is." Yeah, it's some dude trying to put together IKEA furniture. Okay, he's yeah. just pissed. Yeah. He's just pissed because the instructions suck. Definitely not someone getting eaten by a thunderbird. No, no, hundred percent not. All right, humans. All right. Awesome. They get back to the camp, change into their bathing suits, and decide to go for a dip. Well, when they hit the shoreline, they notice the fisherman's boat drifting towards the shore with no one in it. Luke, being the absolute fucking genius he is, is like, well, I mean, maybe he just like went for a swim. I mean plausible i guess i guess that was he was just like fuck this boat maybe jumped in yeah fair enough (laughs) fair enough uh that was until they noticed all the fresh blood on the boat it gets good it gets good this is how Dumb as fuck was, these are. He was cleaning some fish and was like valid point. Valid point. Fuck these fish. Valid point. Valid point. Well, they look around and Luke ends up setting off to try to find a park ranger to notify. And this is a mind fuck to me. So you, you can imagine because he sets off to look for somebody, he has it in his head. Dude is dead or hurt really bad. So I need to go find help. Well, uh, 
He doesn't find help. Doesn't find help. And take a wild guess as to what they do. Just a wild guess. They crawl back into their tents and go to sleep. I was going to say, keep camping. Keep camping. That's good. Keep camping. Worst. The more... The more I hear these these stories and the more like people miss red flags and shit, it's like maybe we deserve what we get. That's kind of where I'm at. I read that part and I'm like, are you mental? Like what? It is, like that that is not only it's like the worst, it's like the worst defense mechanism. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. I'm just gonna around and look the other way yeah i want to continue having a great a great getaway here there's so many red flags dude you hear somebody screaming and then you find a boat full of blood with not a fisherman in it come on do better do Do make make i blame better life choices Adam was probably thinking, oh, now old girl's getting nervous and scared, so I can make my move. So we probably better just go back to bed in this tent here. Yeah. And they're going to get eaten by. Well, I mean, you're partly right. You know, Melissa, Adam ends up inviting Melissa into his tent that night. Look at how shocked we are. Exactly. They end up Doing the doing the deed again. Not long after that, though, they start to hear some rustling coming from the treetops. So much so that you could actually see and hear pine cones and stuff dropping from the trees onto their tent. So without question, there's something of a decent size up there moving around, knocking this shit down. As the couple sat there in silence, listening for whatever it was, they started to hear footsteps walking around the tent. They discerned pretty quickly, these are not human footsteps. So Melissa and Adam apparently weren't the only ones who heard this either, because they start to hear their buddy's tent unzip. Well, Luke all, you know, climbs out of the tent and yells, what the hell? Then the same squawking from the night before starts up and they could hear something crawling back up the tree. Then the flap of giant, large wings taking off. Luke calls over to Adam and Melissa asking if they're awake. They both replied. Luke's like, that was the biggest fucking bird I've ever seen. Here's a, here's an idea guys from now on. No one goes out alone. We're just going to go back to bed. Now Girl back in their tents. They hang out until morning. That next morning, they all start to talk about what, you know, like Luke, what did you see, dude? What's going on here? He's like, it was a large condor 
like bird. It was all black. And this thing was around six feet tall. But what struck him even harder was the way that it crawled back up into the tree. He's like, it, it did it so fast. It was almost like it had another set of claws or something. Finally, after leaving the camp, they called the police and ended up reporting it. The police, the only thing the police mentioned back was that someone had actually reported the boat with the blood in it. So they were not the only ones to see that boat. So fucking weird. But essentially, you, you mean you almost you almost smoked it. Essentially, they saw a Thunderbird. A possible Thunderbird. I have read accounts where I can't remember where the fuck it was. It's in one of my books. But these researchers stumbled upon a giant nest that was, what did they say, 22 feet in diameter? I don't know if it was in the US, if it was along the Amazon or what, but in the nest, when they went to investigate, they found that there was all kinds of weird items kind of woven in with uh, whatever material they were making the nest. They found a wristwatch, um, shoelaces, and an actual human larynx. Oh, cool. Like from a throat. Cool. If I can find the story, I'll bring it up, but I, it just makes me think like... I remember... I remember... I remember you telling me that story a long time ago. Isn't that fucked? We've yeah. had people from around here write us in saying that they've seen birds with 10, 12, 20 foot wingspans here. Yep. Around. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody, and then you got, you got stories and uh, legends like the Paisal bird, which is essentially just a giant ass bird. Yep. That takes people and disappears with them. Dude, how shitty would that be to get picked up? By some stupid ass bird. Oh, I'd be, I'd be pissed. Yeah, could you imagine like a dumbass pigeon picking you up and just flying, flying you away, and then eating you? Well, I could probably just drop me. That would just suck too. Drop me on my car. Yeah, and, and survive. Paralyze you, car. and then it just pick you up again. <laughs> Take you and feed it to its babies. Just shit on <clears> me like pigeons. Dude, that would suck. <laughs> I'd rather get eaten by the Paisal bird, I think. Oh, same. Same. <laughs> I'm going to have to check out his... I, I do have some of his books, but I don't have the ones that you're referring to. I've got some of either... He has one about Bigfoot, I think, or one about maybe the Wendigo. I have one of them. I remember looking up his name when you talked about it last time. <clears throat> it's pretty cool, man. I really, I, I really dig it. They're simple... They're easy to read and follow. And, you know, they're, they're based on true encounters, which makes it even better. And then the fact, like you guys have heard, you know, you and the listeners have, you heard the first batch of stories. There's some of the most fucking bizarre stories I've ever heard. Yeah. You know, I wanted to touch on that because we did have a listener reach out after we put out that first episode. Uh, his name is Matthew. He sent us an email. He goes, hey, guys, first off, love the show about the horned fish story. Check this out. I'll send a pic of a carp from China that might fit the bill. 
Why couldn't a carp get 20 feet long? Thanks. Keep it weird, Matthew. And he did send us a picture of this carp that essentially it's called a winghead rhinoceros fish or the three-horned dragon gate carp. So if everybody wants to check that out, um, it is weird. It definitely has three horns on its head. And if that thing got 20 feet long, it would pretty much fit the bill of that uh, serpent encounter from the first episode of The Bodies. I'll post the picture up on uh, the socials whenever I think about it. So thank you, Matthew, for shooting that our way. I love when people get involved in the episodes and get involved in the stories. Oh, yeah. But with that being said, I think that kind of wraps it up for this episode. So check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, Discord. Come and hang out with us. And until we meet again, stay safe, stay weird. And if you're camping in the woods and something starts fucking around with your tent, just just stop. Actually, fuck it. Just don't go camping. <laughs>